Hey, this is John Whittington, writer of When We First Met, and you're listening to Down the Hall Podcast. This is Down the Hall Podcast with your hosts, Chet Jobert. It's Black Hawk Down with aliens. What's the problem? Rodney Hart. Oh, definitely would have been Team Jake. Not the vampire. You don't root for a vampire. And if you're lucky, Lyndon Wells. I thought Chet was going to launch into his terrible British accent again. Beer Garden. Beer Garden was pretty spot <laughs> That was pretty good. No, he definitely got that. Welcome into another episode, the 78th episode of Down the Hall Podcast. Um, 78 might sound like an impressive number, but I have a more impressive one for you, Rodney. Our friend, good old friend, Movie Rob from Israel, uh, is working on his four, or coming up to his 4,000th movie reviewed on his blog site. 4,000 <laughs> reviews. You know what that means? That means that he, he sent me a Twitter message asking for a movie like to, to review, and I did send one that he doesn't do foreign films. So the one that I sent, uh, the lives of others was one. He said, it's, that's a, a rule that he has, but basically it's impossible. It, it's just impossible to find a movie that he hasn't done. It's oh, impossible. Well, that's, that's what I was going to say is that he's doing this cool thing called movie from a hat where he's reached out to specific people he's connected to us included. And he's asked us to give him like a movie to watch that he has yet to, you know, review. And I'm thinking you've reviewed 3,990 some odd movies. And, but I told him bad Frank and he hadn't seen that yet. So, um, Bad Frank, obviously, former guest of the show, Tony Germanario and Kevin Interdonato. Uh, and so he was, uh, he's looking forward to that one. Uh, but anyway, just want to give a quick shout out to Movie Rob. All right. Uh, so what we do here every week is, uh, we save people time, Chet, 115 hours worth of time. Um, if I was going to give you 115 hours back into your life, what would you do with it? Rodney, there's this, uh, magical thing that I've recently come to be aware of. Uh, which is called a wedding registry. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Mm-hmm. Wedding mm-hmm. registry, uh, where you can put anything you want. And by law, I think it's United States federal law. Mm-hmm. People have to get that for you on your wedding day. So gentlemen, I have a business proposition for both of you. Uh, if you guys could do me a favor, uh, Lyndon and Roddy, and just kind of look around your house and determine like some extra things you might need in your life. And let me know. I'll add it to the registry. I'll have people who are by law forced to buy that for me. And then you guys can just pay me like half price for what it would have cost you. Hmm. I'm enjoy that you think you have any say in this chat and it's not all just Legner's decision. <laughs> That's fair. It's true. And I also don't understand. I mean, why don't people just register for homes? I mean, I feel like <laughs> couldn't you just put a home on a register? Like just put a couple dream homes on, on the registry. I mean, somebody's got to buy it, right? Like no one can get you no gifts. But to Lyndon's point, uh, I really don't have much of a say. I've, I literally asked for two things on the registry, one of which was a panini press. So that's, that's the extent of like what mm-hmm. I've done. Did she this. put it on the list yet? Or is oh, that wait list? It's on the list. Okay. And I expect you to be the one to get it for me now. Mm, maybe I'll get the cheap version of whatever, whatever the one that you want is. I'll make sure to get the generic version. If you want a George Foreman, I'll get the uh, Evander Holyfield version. Oh, that was a boxing joke. Nineties boxing <laughs> joke, even more elusive. Nice. But have you gone round the uh, department store with like a, a laser gun? No, you get to decide everything you want. That's so the best bit. The thing about being in a long distance relationship is that even that isn't easy. The registry, so we've had to do everything online. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I still think that the same law applies. Like people have to get no matter what you put, uh, they have online. To, yeah. yeah, but you know, I didn't get to wield the gun. Can, can you just walk around? Can you just go to a registry store and 
I would like you to have to use the laser gun. I want you to dress up like your favorite Star Trek character and shoot <laughs> shoot from across the room. Like you have to like have long distance. So if you accidentally scan the wrong thing, is that something that you could do? Will Legna be okay with that? I mean, I'm I'm I don't care if she'll be okay with that. I'll definitely do that. Except you know, I'm not really a Trekkie, so I'm gonna go as uh, Han Solo. But he doesn't just shoot across the room. He shoots from his hip and then figures out where it goes later. You know, it's also cute. Lyndon is how he just said, "I don't even care if Linda if if Legna cares that I do that." Oh. Oh, some point oh, he will, right? He's uh, got he's got some lessons to learn, doesn't he? Let's, let's remember he's the one editing <laughs> this, so that's coming straight out. It's coming straight out. <laughs> All right, so here we are uh, this week. Maybe me for the last week. I might be grounded from the podcast after that. Um, <laughs> but we, like Rodney said, every week try to bring you a movie night pick, one that would be accessible to you, one that we think is worth your time because the average person wastes 115 hours every year just looking so uh with that we have we have one that we want to recommend to you tonight it is easily accessible to you on netflix and gentlemen we also have a pretty cool surprise for the listeners which we'll get to are you guys ready earl yes yes well i don't know how you get a podcast but you should look into it yes of course it's down the hall it's on site and here we go Okay, so this week, the movie of the week is a Netflix original, so it's about as accessible as you can get it. Netflix original called When We First Met came out a few weeks ago. It is a comedy fantasy romance. So, Rodney, your favorite genre, romantic comedy. Romantic comedy, baby. Uh, it's only an hour and 37 minutes long. It is starring Adam Devine. Is it Devine or Devine? I think you're thinking of Adam Levine, and I think his name is Adam Devine. Okay. Um so Adam Devine, right? <laughs> uh, and Alexandra Daddario, as well as Shelley Hennig. Um, was that for me? No, I don't know. That's just the sound that happens when you say your name, I think. Oh, let's try that one more time. Starring Alexandra Daddario. <laughs> oh, wow, you're right. That's, Weird. I never noticed that. Uh, directed by Ari Sandel, who did The Duff, and written by John Whittington, uh, who also wrote Lego Batman in Lego Ninjago, actually, I have a weird connection to Lego Ninjago. Speaking mm. of Legna, she and her bandmate sang the theme song for the villain in the movie Lego Ninjago. Like, they're in the movie. For the villain, uh. specifically? Yes. Mm. Interesting. So, Rodney, why don't you tell us what this one's all about? All right. So, uh, this movie is, uh, and, and I'm happy to say, uh, I know that you haven't said it yet, the surprise is that we have called out the writer because we interviewed the writer. And I have to bring that up because as I watched this, I did at first say, this is like a romantic comedy that's like Groundhog Day. But then as I started to watch it, I was like, no, no, no. It's not like Groundhog Day. It's a lot more like Butterfly Effect. You, to me, which I, I felt routinely is a theme that has not been used enough. I love the Butterfly Effect movie, which is a movie that wasn't highly reviewed, I don't think. But to me, I think it's fascinating to think... Not just of reliving that certain day over and over again, but then the idea of flashing forward into a future of what would have happened. And so this movie kind of explores that idea. And, you know, he's specifically trying to relive a moment to get the girl, you know, because it's kind of a guy who I guess in some ways would need some help to get this girl. Right. So he's like kind of getting <laughs> multiple takes uh, to get this girl, but then kind of in the process as romantic comedies do, probably starts to learn some lessons and, um, you know, also potentially realizes that maybe the thing that he was trying to do the whole time isn't the thing that he 
really, really once. Um, and so to me, again, a romantic comedy, very easy to, to watch. I love this genre of movie, so I am a sucker for these. Um, but I will also proudly say, as when we play the interview, um, I was giving kudos for recognizing the ties to butterfly effect as opposed to Groundhog Day. So, Lyndon, I just want you to, to know um, there was a really proud moment for me in this interview. Nice. Well that we're going to play. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I think this is a nice film. If you watch the trailer, you do get exactly what you expect. There's nothing new, really, in the the romantic comedy elements, lessons he learns. But putting the butterfly effect uh, kind of spin on it is, is a lot of fun. In one instance, he goes full douchebag, which is quite fun to watch. Uh, and, it, and it has the great line where he, he keeps kind of reliving it and see what the consequences are. And he says, in your face, space-time continuum, which I quite enjoyed. Uh, it's it's nothing, it's not amazing, but it's definitely worth your movie night. And it's got some really nice, funny comic moments. His, his best friend's quite funny and cringy as well. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's an easy film to recommend. Yeah, and absolutely. I mean, to be clear, too, for the listener's sake, it, it, this is not the case where we knew we were going to interview the writer and therefore we decided we would do the movie. By no means. Like, we had already, you know, Rodney and Lyndon had already given me this as one, like, hey, this is going to probably be our next episode, like, if you if you agree. And I watched it and I agreed. We already knew we were going to do an episode on this. And then in the process, I was able to communicate with the writer and, and get him to join the show. Uh, but, you know, just to be clear, this is one that we would have recommended with or without John Whittington joining us tonight. Yeah, no, it's true. And I think, I mean, the conversation ends up being a lot of fun um, because, you know, we talk about Adam Devine and, you know, how long the movie was in the making. I think there's plenty of times that we've interviewed people and we kind of learn that the process of making a movie can be time consuming and take a really long time. I think, you know, it's years and years that this idea existed. Um, And so anyway, we also talk fun things like, you know, how Adam Devine kind of grew from the first time that he had him as, as an idea for the protagonist to, you know, he got these bigger, bigger roles where he was almost afraid, like maybe that will cost him, you know, that main actor uh, wanting to work on this project. But we also talked about some of the other crazy ideas of who they had for, for lead. So, uh, stick around for for that interview. I definitely think it's a it's a fun one. Well, before we get to that, I, I do want to ask: What did we collectively give this movie on a scale from one to ten? Let's start with the the rom com master. I mean, I gave it. I, I'm tempted to give it an eight, but I gave it a solid seven. Um, it's a very very enjoyable, easy to recommend movie. I think you know it didn't blow me away. I think it it gets closer to an eight just because I love movies that use the butterfly effect. I love that. I. I think I could tolerate significantly more movies that that use that as a staple to tell a story. Yeah, I think that's fair. It's a just a seven for me. It's a borderline six, seven, but it's it's an easy recommend, nice, enjoyable film with a nice kind of butterfly effect twist. Yep, seven for me too. The way I measure that is six and above would be just movies that I definitely like. Seven and above would be I'm going out of my way to tell people about it and. Clearly, that's what we're doing tonight. So, uh, seven out of ten for me, um, Rodney. What was the IMDb score? So the IMDb score currently sits at about a six point four. So, you know, again, not not the highest rated movie that we've ever done. But as I will say, and as we talk about in the interview, people are harsher on romantic comedies. I feel like whether it's because they believe that they're all the same, or you know, whether they don't like the fact that it resolves in in a certain way. I feel like people have always been a harsher critic of romantic comedies, which 
Anyway, fair or unfair, uh, but again, that's a topic that we talk about with, with John, and the Rotten Tomatoes is, is certainly lower than what we would normally recommend for, for a movie, right? I just, yeah, I think so, but I also think they don't have enough reviews yet. Mm-hmm. I think you need to get a certain number before it's a, a conclusive score in Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. I think there's only five reviews right now. Okay. I think you need, I forget what the exact number is, but um, definitely way more than five. Okay. So it's it's only one out of five, I think, of those critics right now. Then that's that's giving it a you know high score. But screw them. That's what I say. Listen to the interview. Watch the movie. Um, don't be a stick in the mud. And that's what's fun about the show is by no means do we three pretend. Well, Lyndon is literally a film critic, so maybe I'll just say Rodney and I don't pretend to be film critics. Uh, where we give proper you know breakdown reviews of movies what we're here to do is help you take back movie night find one that's fun or interesting and that's definitely this uh one thing i'll note too is besides the fact that rodney you are now one degree closer to a date with alexandra daddario uh i did also ask john if the blue uh the blueberry red bull was product placement on purpose because ever since i had never heard of blueberry red bull until this movie and then i think i've had like three or four since i've seen it you're a sucker it got me i'll be (laughs) honest it got me all right, so you've heard what we had to say, uh, and typically we will at this point in the episode go to like what the critics said, but we already discussed that. Um, so in, in lieu of a topic or a game tonight, we're going to turn things over to the writer of this film, who also wrote Lego Batman and Lego Ninjago. That would be John Whittington. Well, Rodney, mm-hmm. we have uh, we have a cool surprise. What is it? Um, well, you know, so you can pretend, do I? You can pretend oh, to be excited. You okay. pretend to be surprised. Well, the but listeners didn't know I already knew. They they knew. You you don't have the poker face you think you have, uh, even over the microphone. So uh, we are now welcoming in John Whittington, who uh, wrote when we first met. So it's one thing to have us talk about it. It's mm-hmm. another thing to have the brain behind it. It's so true. It. So John, welcome aboard. Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. Thank you for coming. I mean, so listen, let's let's jump into it. So, um, so we uh, have chosen when we first met as the movie recommendation of the week to help our listeners, you know, take back movie night. Um, It's one that we greatly enjoyed, and we've Mm -hmm. been talking about so far. Um, But we have a few questions for you. I guess the first one, just for you as a as a professional, John, when did you first uh, start writing? When did you get into writing screenplays? You know, in high school, I was maybe like a junior in high school. I was probably like sixteen or seventeen. Um, years old and I went to I went to a private high school like outside of right outside of Washington DC and it was real kind of um, it, you know everybody went on to kind of be a, a lawyer or a banker or, or whatever and um, I just at a very young age I got terrified of that and wanted to kind of find do the exact opposite so I picked up screenwriting and I kind of gave that a whirl and that ended up sticking and you, you know now it's uh, you know now it's probably 18 years later so I guess I've been writing screenplays for more than half my life now cra- uh, crazily so yeah that's how it all all started though just you know in my teenage bedroom and everything yeah that's I mean that's that's cool to hear I think um, I mean obviously most of our questions are focused on on when we first met but I guess one final question was. Um, was there a certain moment where you realized like, oh, this actually is going to be my job? Like, was there, whether it's like, you know, some small success, whether it was a job that, you know, you, you realize like, okay, this is actually what I'm going to do for a living. Was there like, was there a moment that you realized, okay, this actually might be my path? Um, I, I, I guess I would say it was very early on because I kind of fell in love with 
the craft of screenwriting and with movies kind of all at the same time in, you know, in those teenage years, I, I actually didn't grow up watching very many movies. It wasn't like a, it wasn't like a family tradition. We didn't, uh, you know, I probably had like 10 or 15 movies that I watched over and over again, my whole life, you know, Batman or Ghostbusters two or stuff like stuff like that. And, um, and so as I was pursuing screenwriting, I fell in love with the, with everything about filmmaking and and all of that all at once and so when that was happening i think i kind of decided you know what this is it i'm gonna i'm going to dive in head first and i'm gonna you know make this uh make this my life somehow and i think i was just too naive and um clueless to know how crazy that was and how hard it would be um but because i had kind of made that commitment before I, uh, you know, had any chance to know what it actually entailed. I kind of never looked back and I never, you know, planned a plan B or a safety net or anything like that. And so, you know, as a handful of years went on and I went to film school and then I got out to LA and started trying to do it. It was like, well, I put so many years into it. I might as well keep going, even though this is way harder than I thought it would be. And, um, and that's kind of how it's worked out. Well, well, in this case, we're happy that that was the result too, obviously. And, uh, you know, when it comes to this specific <laughs> movie tonight, uh, when we first met, uh, I got, I got to ask you a quick question, which is, which is really not even a question as much as an observation, but the, in, in, Rhetorical. in when we first met, uh, there is like a very consistent presence of blueberry Red Bull. Was that something you wrote into it? Or is that just like a decision made by somebody else? Because I'm sitting here with a blueberry Red Bull and frankly, they're delicious. And I've never tried one until I saw the movie. <laughs> no, I got to give, um, I've got, I don't know exactly who to specifically give credit for that, but I'm going to give it to Adam Devine because uh, Adam and um, uh, a writing partner of his who worked on Workaholic named Scotty Landis. Um, they, uh, did a rewrite on the script, um, before production to kind of tailor it to Adam's kind of comedic voice and, uh, and all of that. And so even though they're not credited as writers, they did, uh, they, they did a lot of work punching up the comedy, um, and kind of making it, you know, razor specific for Adam and, and, and all of that. And so I got to presume that Blueberry Red Bull came out of that. Um, but it's a little detail that I love, but strangely, like a random person on Twitter did tweet at me and Adam, like our handles. So it's like in my mentions and it was like, just so you know, Blueberry Red Bull was available in 2014 and like hashtag Jack or something and and i really i really wanted to tweet back like you know photo booths are also not time travel devices too (laughs) like yeah 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 that's so true just start to go troll him yeah so well i guess that kind of does lead me into one of our actual questions which is um you know how closely does or you know the original screenplay that you put together how closely does it resemble the finished product you know, I know there's obviously changes along the way, and you just mentioned like even something simple like the blueberry Red Bull, but I imagine that that kind of comes into it throughout the whole process. But how how closely does the original uh you know original version of the story resemble what we saw uh, on Netflix? In some ways, very very closely, and in other ways, it is a departure. Um, the draft of the script that eventually got the momentum to uh, to attract Adam and Ari Sandel, the director, and and be made structure and, and intention of every scene is 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 pretty much um spot on like i said uh adam did uh adam and scotty did uh, a rewrite to kind of tailor the comedy but just like any any process for a writer who's lucky enough to have something 
uh, produced, you kind of live with the movie in your mind for years. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it is a little bit different than what I wrote, you know, years ago. And, um, um, that's, what's great about it, that everybody gets to kind of affect it in, uh, unique ways. Right. Um, I think one other thing that I'm curious about the movie itself. So romantic comedy is actually one of my favorite genres. I feel like when, if, when people saw this on, on, um, on Netflix, I feel like I got like eight texts right away. Like, Hey, there's a movie that you probably will love. Well, um, let me speak to that. It's true. I can vouch for that. So Rodney is known on the show of being like the romantic comedy lover of, of the three of us. And, and truly like, and actually when, I get made fun of for it just for the, for also the record. No, but. because anyway, well, you get made fun of for a lot of things. Uh, but, but like, it was true, like a bunch of listeners. So one of the things we do is we let people, uh, you know, go to our website and recommend movies for us to, to watch and consider being our, our movie night pick. And when there was a new romantic comedy on Netflix, it was brought to our attention almost uh, immediately. And I think mm-hmm. the question that, you know, we were wondering is how did you, it's in, in a genre that tends to, you know, bleed into each other almost, a lot of them end up feeling the same way. How did you yeah. make this or what did you try to do to make this feel so distinctly different? Um, you know, well, I kind of, uh, I mean, I love romantic comedies too. And these are the kind of scripts that I broke in writing. I'm writing all sorts of different stuff now, but my first few things that I I broke in with were romantic comedies. And I, with this, I just wanted to combine something that had a really big kind of high concept, like a real movie concept, obviously time travel and redoing a moment in your life over and over Mm -hmm. again. But I just wanted to also combine it with something that felt human that felt like something that we've all kind of thought about, even if we haven't specifically thought, oh, what if I could go back in time and relive it? We've all kind of had moments in our lives where um, we've thought, oh, if I zigged instead of zagged, right. my whole life could have turned out differently. At its heart, hopefully, um, it, you know, is relatable and, and, and something like that. Uh, that would be a great way for a romantic comedy like this to hopefully get off the ground and, and, right. and, and stand out. Um, and so that was, the, that was the goal. And, uh, that's kind of, uh, hopefully what, uh, what I was, you know, what we're, we're all trying to achieve with it. Yeah. I mean, I completely agree. I mean, one of our questions is, uh, was the butterfly effect an, an inspiration, but as you were saying what you're saying, I think, I feel like time travel has been done and like, you know, zigged instead of zagged or, you know, like I think those types of concept, but I feel like the butterfly effect of like, now, you know, a moment you make a different decision and then you pop up in a different reality. I feel like to me, at least it feels like an underutilized, like opportunity to tell a story. Um, was the butterfly effect an inspiration? And I guess, do you agree with me that that's enough? Uh, I mean, I, I, that's not, that's not you really better a real agree question. with me, is what um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. completely, I completely agree. Very, very astute. It's funny because, um, when writing this script and when pitching it, you, you know, years ago and now, it being made and kind of following along with what people are saying good or bad about it on social media and stuff. There's a lot of people are like, Oh, it rips off groundhog day. It rips off big. It rips up. Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, that's all true. Like yeah. fair, fair point. But really what it's ripping off is the butterfly effect. So the people who call it out for that, um, I give, I award the most, uh, the most points to, but you know, what's kind of funny is I, cause when I had the idea, I hadn't yet seen the butterfly, butterfly effect. But what I was thinking of was that classic episode of the Simpsons. Um, it was one of the Treehouse of Horror episodes where Homer goes back in time and basically um, lives that uh, experience of like stepping on a, bu- a butterfly in prehistoric times and mm. then through the, a time traveling 
faster. See, it experiences all the crazy um, effects of like now he comes into he comes into a world where every you know it rains donuts, but everybody has like tile tongues or something like that. At the end, it's yeah. like because it's raining donuts, he has these crazy tongues. But he's like, ah, I can live with this. I'll stay in this. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. In this version. And so I think that was the first thing I thought of. I was like, oh, it's kind of like that Simpsons episode that I love. And then I, I realized, oh, there is a movie. There's kind of like a thriller that has that same kind of concept. So I sat down and I watched that and I kind of studied what that did well and, uh, and, and everything kind of structurally and, and, and all of that. And, um, and yeah, and so that's kind of a way I, I began pitching it as well. I would tell people that it's kind of a rom-com version of the, uh, of the butterfly effect. So oh, you're 100% right. Yeah, no, you just got earned, you just got given points by John. I, I love he, that. Also, he's never been awarded points by a guest before. <laughs> That's so. true. No, that, I, yeah, probably true. But uh, when writing, when we first met, um, were you envisioning a specific actor for the main role? And if so, or not, you know, we can talk about Adam Devine being, you know, the the lead, and you know, what do you think him being the the main actor added to it? So when it came time to try and cast this movie. Um, I was pretty wide open. You know who I thought of when I wrote it was I wanted like somebody who could be the version of like young Tom Hanks or like young Jim Cusack. I was kind of writing it with I wanted it to kind of have one of those kind of 80s, you know, romantic comedy vibe and just somebody who's very affable but can also carry some some weightier kind of more emotional moments and stuff like that. And um, I remember when they pitched Adam for the first time, I mean, this was when workaholics was kind of real early in its run and I knew who he was, but he hadn't really broken out in the way he has Mm -hmm. since. Um, But immediately I was like, Oh, I think this guy has something special and I think this guy could be it. And luckily as the, you know, it's, it's kind of, brutal how long it takes to make a film sometimes but as this movie took forever to keep kind of uh slogging uh you know down the field adam just you you know kind of became more known and um and was having more and more success and finally got to and he always kind of kept this script in his back pocket and Mm -hmm. always fought to 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 do it and uh finally just we just got you know to a really lucky moment in time where um where now his kind of cachet and his, um, you know, his standing as a as a great comedic lead, he was really starting to pop, and that's what that's what really got it done. So it's it's lucky that from the very beginning, um, I thought that he would be a great choice, and then in the end, he ended up being the guy who got it made. You know, without right. him uh, championing the script for all of those years, there wouldn't have been um the reason to uh to make the movie that's uh no yeah and, and i can only imagine for you too if if you have a guy who you're like oh i think this is my guy and then as he continues to rise in success there's got to be some amount of elation and nerves that's like hey you still love this idea right <laughs> yeah, exactly because every time um he kind of levels up it's like oh this is great for my movie but at the same time it kind of sucks because he's going to be he's leveling up by doing someone else's movie right right and maybe yeah. he comes out of that, maybe he falls out of love with this one or whatever and so i remember when mike and dave was announced and he was cast in the in the lead with zach efron in that movie i was so psyched it was like oh my god this is a big studio comedy it's a big movie this is huge for him and then I was like, and does this, but does this kill when we first met? Right, right. And yeah. it very well could. Plenty of actors um, or actresses who I'm sure if they had been cast in their first big kind of studio lead 
would have said like, oh, the little indie that I've been, uh, you know, uh, that I've, the indie rom-com that I've been championing for years, um, I can, you know, forget about that now. Right. Um, but that's not happened at all. And he kind of just kept using that, um, that, uh, that capital um, in this business that he, that his, uh, you know, his stardom kept, kept building. And, um, and he always still wanted to make this movie. Awesome. Cool, man. Thank you for that. Um, yeah. So, so now, so, so John, I, I gave you, um, I gave you a heads up on this prior, but we do this thing called rapid fire questions. It's mostly meant to just be sort of silly, you know, silly questions that the answers should be as close to one, you know, one word as possible. But the difference is that this time, um, Rodney and I are not going to be asking the questions. We actually have questions submitted from, uh, some of our youngest listeners. They're actually, uh, is Reese and Megan, they live on Cape Cod. They are uh, the son and daughter of, of one of our uh, good friends, but also a loyal listener to the show. That'd be Kevin. And they are big fans of some of your other work, especially, uh, because one thing we have not gotten into yet is the fact that you also wrote uh, Lego Batman and Lego Ninjago. Yeah, I'm one of the co-writers of, the, of those movies, yes. So, you know, you have some big fans uh, that really wanted to ask you a couple questions. So we're actually, we actually have their audio. We're going to play them uh, asking you these questions. Uh, but actually, John, before we do that, um, my fiance and uh, the uh, the other girl who's in the band with her, they actually sang the, is it Gargadon? Gar- what is, what's the name of, this, of the band? Gargadon? Yeah, they sang that song for Lego yeah. Ninjago. Like they're, they're on the, they're on the movie too. Uh, in the is, movie yeah small small world oh, that's incredible that's amazing i love that i love that song i love their work uh great great job that is so cool i know right it's yeah. pretty funny small small world i have nothing to contribute to any of this so <laughs> this this is a low moment for me well rodney you probably played with legos at some point in your life right at some point uh, lego technics was my favorite <laughs> okay cool um all right so we're gonna we're gonna turn things over to the experts that's reese and megan they have some uh specific questions for you john i guess the the uh, the best way to say it is, you know, try to do as, as one word answers as possible. Okay, you got it. What topping do you like on pizza? Pepperoni, 100%. Have you ever had to be on crutches or a wheelchair? No, luckily, never broken a bone, had stitches, any of that. It means I'll probably fall down a flight of stairs as soon as we get off the phone together. Who is your favorite character in the Lego Batman movie? Boring answer, but Batman. Gotta be Batman. Are you a cat or a dog person? Uh, kind of neither. Uh, allergic to cats, though, so dogs. Have you ever tasted dog food? And if so, is it good? No. But now I'm curious. What was your favorite cartoon when you were a kid? The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon. Well, John, good job answering all of uh, Reese and Megan's questions. Thank you, especially to them. Uh, they are uh, far cooler hosts of this episode than we ever could be, Rodney, so... When will they be able to replace us? I mean, slowly. They already have been. They've already it. done yeah, it. They started. You started the process. So, all right, cool, well, John. Thank you so much for your time, man. Um, you know, I hope we, you know, I hope this was interesting. You know, conversation for you to be a part of. We we definitely felt like it was for us. We learned a lot, and we greatly enjoyed when we first met. And so, it's a, a real pleasure to be able to talk to you about it. Um, and of course, we are recommending it to our listeners this week. It is accessible to you on Netflix right now. It'll certainly be worth your movie nights. Um, and now that you have the perspective of the writer, it might make you want to even go back and watch it again if you have already watched it. So, mm-hmm. John, with that, we thank you very much. Um, do you have any upcoming projects that you want to make our listeners uh, you know, aware of? 
Oh yeah, yeah, I'd love to. Um, I, uh, first of all, to thank thank you guys so much, and thank you for recommending the movie. I appreciate it so much. And um, yeah, I'm actually uh, a writer on the staff of a television show that will premiere. Um, I think it'll be on Netflix. I'm not sure exactly when, but in the not so super distant future, uh, based on Dr. Seuss's Green Eggs and Ham. Um, and that show is uh, kind of created and showrun by a writer named Jared Stern, who I worked with on the Lego Batman and Lego Ninjago movies. So this is kind of his awesome brainchild. So anybody who ever grew up loving Dr. Seuss or has a fascination of how a children's book with 35 unique words ever become a, uh, a, a multi-episode uh, TV series, uh, please keep your eyes open for that. And then, um, yeah, I have some more animated projects and some live action uh, stuff that I'm in the middle of uh, now that will hopefully see the light of day. So if and when they they do, um, I'll be sure to let you guys know. And, uh, you know, hopefully uh, one of those will be worth recommending in the future as well. Awesome. And now where can our listeners find you on social media? I am on Twitter at jwhittington261. So J. W-H-I-T-T-I-N-G-T-O-N 261. Gotcha. Cool. Awesome. You can always find us uh, on Twitter at Down the Hall Guys uh, on Facebook. We're there as well. You can contribute to some of the conversations we do, the topics. um, And also make sure to follow John on Twitter and look out for the stuff that he's doing. And if you have not seen When We First Met, I would definitely prioritize that this week. It is our movie recommendation of the week. Uh, But with that, John, we want to say thank you and goodbye. I hope you have a good rest of today. I look forward to hearing back from you another time. You guys, too. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Super fun. 